0: What Control You are
1: listening to Why the
2: Drive
1: Y'all seen the Super Mario Brother movie yet? My kids have brought me out to it twice. They are six and eight years old. Had to take them yesterday, and it was, it was a big moment. It, for uh, my eight-year-old, they brought one of their other friends from second grade, so first time they brought a friend to the movies. And we're sitting there, they're all anticipated, there's all the previews, you know, they're cheering, They're—it was like the theater was empty, it was just us, by the way. And they're like rah 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 for um, uh, Rise of the Beast and the Transformers, and all these other trailers. And then the Barbie trailer comes up, and I don't know, I'm a little proud of them, they stood up and they booed this movie, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I have no idea what Barbie's about. I don't know who it's for. Kind of almost like, a, like some of the sexual innuendo in the jokes. I don't know. We won't be seeing Barbie at my house. We're going to have a good show today, though. We're talking to NASA's Katie Rogers about the logistics of NASA... Learn all about how the agency's supply chain works, both on Earth and up in orbit. We got Lucas Systems, Ken Ramatori, He's going to talk about how both a change in culture and tech like robots, AR, and VR are reshaping warehouses. Fleetworthy Solutions, Mike Prescia. He explains the art of compliance and the importance of a single source of truth. Plus, we got cargo theft in Mexico, semi trucks for cyclists, luxury cabs, Timberlands on flatbeds, and much more. So, let's tip the band and we'll get to it. Your customers and investors want to know that your company is serious about sustainability. Show them the depth of your commitment when you rely on AIT Worldwide Logistics for your freight forwarding needs. From scope 3 carbon footprint reporting to calculating emissions at the transaction level, partnering with AIT sends a clear message to stakeholders. You mean business when it comes to sustainability. Learn more at AITWorldwide.com. Now, Nash is probably going to be with us just in a minute. There is a... Oh, they're about to come up on the phone. So let's hang out for NASA for a second, because this is going to be a really good segment. A little firewall issue, but they're going to come right up. We're going to be talking um, all about how their supply chain works. When you think about NASA, yeah, sure, like some things are obvious, like sending cargo up to the ISS, right? But they have a massive earthbound supply chain here that uses a ton of truckloads and and brokers and partners and everything. So they are going to dig into all of that with us as soon as uh, they bring Katie Rogers up here might take a second though i don't know guys should we jump into good news bad news all right they got to work on that first. so we'll go back for a second good news bad, news.
3: <laughs> uh, the bad news, and
1: good news all right first of all bad news Nasty little delay by the firewall. Good news, though. They tell me in the back they're going to get through in just a couple of minutes. Here, (laughs) second one. Bad news. You spend over 300 days on the road. Here's some good news. You're doing it in this cab.
0: Hey guys. So this is part one of inside of our sleeper. What we have here is a queen size Murphy bed. It does raise up. Ours probably never will. Over here we have all kinds of storage. We'll get into later. The dog food and water's down there. Here's the fridge. We haven't stocked up yet, so, like, keep that in mind. But we do have a few snacks and drinks. And there is some frozen microwavable food up top just in case we're hungry and we have no time to cook. Uh, That's always a great idea. A fake plant sitting over there in the window. I hung up some pictures of our family. That's Antonio, myself, and our dog, Apollo, uh, and some of our adventures before trucking. We skateboard, BMX, bike, all that great stuff. The bed is a little messy. I do need to remake it. But inside here, these two cabinets, this one and the one I'll show you in a minute, hold four of those boxes, headphones, the drone, all that great stuff. They're so deep. I don't even know what to do with all that space or what to put in it. So if you have any ideas, let me know. Um, A DVD player came with the truck. We don't use it. The convectional microwave oven. And this side of the uh, cab I'll get to in another video and show you what everything does as we learn it together. So... There's Apollo. I'll show you in a minute. What are Two you doing? Dogs in there? He's snorking wow. out the window. have no idea what the dog is. He's crazy. But that is the sleeper area.
1: So I put this out to the, the driver community, and I said, rate the cab over here in a they all said, you know, if they had a cab like that, they would never get any miles in. So, like, maybe, maybe drivers are kind of incentivized by being in a, a highly uncomfortable environment because it keeps you from wanting to lounge. Because back there, I mean, that looks like, that's bigger than, like, the apartment I had in Boston, my first studio in the north, and they got a lot going on. And I, I got to say, I like, the, I like the female touch in there. My wife is very good at doing the organization. If you've ever seen my desk at work, I am not good at doing organization, Um. Or this desk right here. It's just all clutter. It's like, it's like my mind. Uh, but they do a fantastic job in there. And I got to give them kudos for being able to do that with two dogs in there. Um, here's another one for you. Good. Let's see here. Good news. They're studying how road cyclists feel when getting passed by a semi. Bad news. You're the cyclist. Take a look at this video right here. Uh, cyclists here too, they look like the anxiety is pretty high. This says, um, this is from Katcha Kirchner. They say, Last weekend, we collected data on how 23 experienced road cyclists feel when being passed by a truck. We tested 50 and 80 kilometers per hour and uh, one, one mile, 1.5 mile, and two mile clearance or oh, sorry, two meter clearance with a uh, standard and extra long truck. Many thanks to all the volunteers in the team. Would you guys volunteer for this? And if so, would you rather be the truck driver? Or would you rather be the bike rider? Cause like both, I think my anxiety level would be up there. One, you're afraid you're gonna get hit if you're the bike rider, but if I was driving that truck too, I don't know. Anyone know what those gloves are too, that that driver has? I'm not overly familiar. What else we got here? Good news, you're making time on your load on Mexico. Great, great time. Here's the bad news. The cartel has set up a roadblock. Take a look at how they're taking trucks over in Mexico. And this one's from Abel Flores. Abel Flores says, On Sunday, April 23rd, a criminal cell specializing in cargo theft set up a number of roadblocks on Federal Highway 150D near the Puebla-Veracruz state line intercepted several commercial vehicles carrying high-value shipments. If you see here, they just set up a roadblock. They go over to your door with a machine gun, and they just jump straight in the truck and drive off. They're not unhooking a trailer or anything like that. It's interesting, too, because I showed this, and... um. A few people said, you know, when autonomous trucks come, this is only going to get worse. Although, I can imagine they'll figure out some ways to hack autonomous trucks, but if you, if you look at it in this circumstance, wouldn't an autonomous truck be harder to take if this is the method? Because it could just shut itself down, and if you do go and steal from it, you're going to have a bunch of cameras all over yourself, and also, like, an autonomous truck's not going to be scared of a rifle being pointed at its head. Meanwhile... Wait, are you the guy who presses the meanwhile button back there? That is me. Oh, I can't do a meanwhile because the guy who presses the button was just sitting. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) This is like today's show. It's a dumpster fire. Here he goes. Look at this guy. He pulls up to go throw the the trash away. He can't get the bag out of the trash can. He starts slamming it against the side. But then for some reason, he decides to commit a federal offense and attacks this person's mailbox. (laughs) I understand the frustration. We've all been there. We've all been there, and at least he cleans up after it. He's picking up everything behind himself. All right, let's leave that guy alone. Let's talk to Mike Precious. See you on Fleetworthy Solutions, Mike. You ever you ever hit that point of frustration in your life that you just wanted to rip a mailbox out and throw it in a dump truck?
3: Often, but it's usually you know NFL football. You know, you had to bring <laughs> up Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, <laughs> so that that was one of those times that the length of time that that decision took.
1: I was going to ask you about that because you're a Wisconsin guy. What do you think about AR eight now?
3: You know, I, I, he, he's not going to be a subject I talk about now. I wish him luck in the, at the Jets. But.
1: Why? Why are the Jets like the home? Like because Brett Favre went there too, and then, like do you think Rodgers goes to Minnesota next? That was like the, the progression.
3: <laughs> Doomed what? to to you know, do things over again, I guess.
1: Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers wasn't always compliant at practice, but today we're going to talk about the art of compliance. Now, tell me something. What is the difference between proactive and reactive compliance?
3: So, you know, the example I'll use in regards to, you know, the science of compliance versus the art of compliance, you know, an easy example is you know, hours of service, right? Everyone understands the rules and, you know, what are the, the, the hours of service rules for a driver to to be compliant and we we say that's that's the minimum of of trying to meet compliance the art of it is if the goal of hours of service is to keep the road safe it's not just enough to to monitor hours of service rules but we think what if that driver is is fatigued or is having some set, sort of crisis so we think going beyond compliance is not only looking at the rules but really focusing on the data that can help us keep the road safe so you know that's an example of going beyond just the 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 science of of safety and going a step further to go beyond the minimum to be be compliant where are people getting this wrong well we we think that you know the the example i use is if you go into a a cab of a truck and you see all the technology and how it's advancing and then you go to a carrier's location and and see the safety departments and the fact that they're kind of hamstrung using you know outdated technology spreadsheets as 400 green screens and they're not able to consume all the data that's coming out of the truck that if they could and and were would give them a lot of indications of how they're doing from a safety perspective. So, you know, our goal is to try to give our customers a, a single pane of glass for all that data resides uh, and then be able to layer on top of that actionable recommendations on steps you can take to, to not only keep your drivers safe, but, you know, make sure that the roads broadly are safer.
1: So when we talk about this data, right? Uh, do you want centralized data? Do you want dispersed data? What's important here? We want to be able to kind of red
3: thread all the different pieces of data that give you a, a real idea of how you're doing from a compliance perspective. So you know, you know, Fleetworthy focuses on driver and asset compliance. You know, whether it's DQ files for drivers or making sure that your assets are running legally. But then there's these these other dispersed places of data that if you, if you lay there, layer them on top of what you're seeing on the driver side and the asset side, you're actually getting a better picture of how you're doing from a, a safety and compliance perspective. Ooh.
1: Well, so the single source of truth, right? What is, how, how do you maintain a single source? Like, how do we actually do this stuff?
3: So we, we use a three-legged stool. So it's not just the, the technology that we developed, you know um, but it's, Consuming data and understanding that data and then layering on top of that, you know, our subject matter experts that become an extension of our customer safety departments um, and looking at all those those three different towers and giving a 360 degree profile on, you know, how is that carrier doing from a compliance perspective?
1: And how do how do they action that? How do your clients do that? So you've talked about the fleet worthy side, but what about like the client side?
3: So what we want to do is, is not only bring, you know, the three-legged stool that I just mentioned to bear, but also layer on technology, whether it's machine learning or, or AI functionality to really analyze your drivers, your assets, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and then create tasks and work requests that the system is telling our customers what they need to do to maintain that, that goal of being above, you know, beyond compliant.
1: Interesting. So what should we be thinking about here that we're not thinking about? I think, you
3: know, it's important to to be able to go to one single source of truth to really understand how you're doing and and make sure that you have technology that's, you know, while you're asleep, the technology's still doing the work, analyzing things. And when you get back to your office, you know, the, the system's telling you, here are the steps that you need to take to mitigate risk. Um, And we think that in order to do that, you know, you have to have an agnostic, you know, platform that consumes, you know, not only the data that the carriers uh, creating and and deriving from all the things they do, but all these other pieces of data that are important as well. And, And how do we get that into one place so that you can make, you know, educated decisions?
1: Why is it important? Is risk? Are we are is there more risk out in the market? Is there is there is there more challenges out there? Why is this so important right now?
3: Well, I think you've seen, you know, the, the growth of nuclear verdicts and, and, you know, not only small carriers being put out of business because of, you know, what ultimately is an accident, right. But if, if an accident triggers, um, plaintiff attorneys to, to look at whether you're really serious about compliance and they start seeing that you're not right. And, and they start seeing gaps in your, your safety policies and and approaches, you know, these carriers are, are big targets, right. Um, For people that don't understand that, I've said this before, in the end, that driver is is a a person that's taking care of his his or her family and trying to get home safely just like everyone else is. But sometimes being in that big truck makes it look like, you know, you don't care.
1: Well, where can people go to learn more about what you guys are doing and getting that single source of truth and going beyond beyond compliant?
3: Compliant. I would, I would invite people to come to our website at www.fleetworthy.com. Uh, there's a lot of information there that I think can help them start a journey of, you know, going beyond compliant.
1: All right. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll help you boo Aaron Rodgers next season. How about that? <laughs> you too. <laughs> Go Badgers. Thanks for coming by today. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Take care. All right. Let's see what's going on elsewhere. First day being back in New York and I and Tim on the back of a truck. <laughs> Who's footing the bill on that one right there, huh? You guys like a nice Timberland? Got Ken Ramitar. Ramitar next. He's a CMO over at Lucas Systems. Hello, Ken. Where are you coming into to us from?
2: I'm coming to you from Pittsburgh today. Ooh, you know what?
1: Hey, uh, by the way, I got MLB TV this season, and I got to tell you, there's one team that's catching fever. I love the Bucko jacket. I love seeing the Pirates play. They had a day game on yesterday. The Braves rained out, so I was watching a little bit of the Pirates. They're mashing out there every day. You guys
2: must be so proud. Yeah, they're killing it. I mean, this is sports town here, at Pittsburgh, right? So Buckos have been long time coming. Uh, best league and uh, best record in the National League right now.
1: Yeah, no, my, my my best friend is from Pittsburgh, so I've always like when my teams lose, I always gotta you know support support my buddy, and um, he's a big proponent. I like how they all do the same color scheme too. I, I like how like a city just unifies behind like the oh, yeah. gold and the black. Yeah. It's beautiful yeah, stuff. That's well, right. Well, hey, for those who don't know, Lucas Systems. Let's start there. What you guys do?
2: Yeah, we're a uh, software company here in Pittsburgh. Uh, we make software for warehouse workers to help them do their jobs better, faster, safer. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty neat stuff. We've been around 25 years. Uh, lots of most people don't know what goes on in warehouses, but you know lots and lots of workers over thousands of workers use our software every day to, uh, to do work that you know when you order stuff on Amazon and things like that, somebody's got to fulfill those orders. So a lot of them use Lucas software.
1: Interesting. So when you when, when you're looking at your data and everything and you're, you're looking at the market out there, what are some of the trends and differences that you're seeing in the labor force during uh, this reexamination? You know, culture's changing, strategy's changing, tech's getting involved. What do you see in there?
2: Well, yeah, it's a it's you know, it's no secret. Right. I mean, labor is a big problem. Right. Um, both on the warehouse as well as the trucking side. Right. And it's it's gotten to be so critical. That, you know, it's actually, you know, preventing some businesses from actually achieving their goals because they just can't find enough labor or keep enough labor. But what the big thing that's going on and the big thing Lucas is looking at, given the fact that we're a company that really focuses a lot on the worker, is really what's happening to the workforce. Uh, And there's a couple of big things happening to the workforce. Uh, And it's not just a COVID thing. Um, First of all, there's a whole lot of baby boomer, you know, level folks retiring, getting out of the workforce. So what's happening is, you know, you're seeing this replacement, you know, with a lot of Gen Z workforce, which is, you know, the younger population. And so two things. One is there's a lot less Gen Z folks than there are baby boomers. So that that causes a problem. You're not going to be able to replace all the baby boomers with the Gen Z folks. And the second is these folks think and act and expect way different things in the workplace. So that means a lot for the uh, folks who run operations in terms of, hey, you got to prepare. Gen Z folks want different things.
1: Well, yeah, you know, one of those big talks that has come up has been technology, right? And I've talked to a lot of different warehouse companies, and they're always coming up with, like, new ideas. And I I don't want to call them gimmicks, but, like, gamification and things like that. And, like, AR, for example. I've always. I, I'm not a fan of like the consumer application where you take a, your phone app and you look at the Burger King logo and a flame comes out. Like to me, like nobody's going to do that more than once. But when you think about some of the applications of like AR in warehouses where you could have a visor on, it would make sense to have like a helmet on. They start to become a lot more clear. What are some of the technologies that you are seeing that that are that are working out and are advancing?
2: Yeah. So that it's a good question because you know that first of all that Gen Z population they're they're all about tech, right? They yeah. grew up with tech. They all they're comfortable with tech. Learning learning new stuff isn't a big de- deal to that group. They all got smartphones and they all how to use computers. So, so that's the first sort of point. that tech matters to them a lot, and they kind of expect it wherever they go to work. They expect decent tech, and and that's not the case with some of the older gen. But you ask the question, and you know, what kind of tech do they like? Um, well, you know they like things that that help them do their jobs, right? So, and and that are practical and easy. You can remember, like a warehouse. You know, busy place, um, you know, some of the tech just is impractical. So the stuff that they really like is stuff that's quick and fast. So scanning technologies, voice technologies, voice director stuff that tells them where to go, um, stuff that helps them scan and collect data and quickly gets them to the next task. It's that kind of tech.
1: How do they feel about robots? How do they feel about working alongside them? as a you know I talk to the driver community a lot. drivers are uh, you know obviously very threatened by things like autonomous vehicles yeah. and, and, and and automation they you know they, they don't want to get removed from the cab or have their rates taken down by by robots, but do warehouses have the same anxiety warehouse workers about robots
2: yeah, good good one. Um, we did this study here because we were trying to figure out some of those answers too, so we surveyed five hundred warehouse workers because you know we want to know what they're thinking and. And we, as a Lucas, want to make sure we're providing the right kind of tech for for these new workers. But and that's a really interesting question because there's lots of hype about robots right now, right? Uh, And everybody thinks, oh, well, robots are going to come in and going to take all the people out of the warehouse and you stick robots in and they're all going to run, you know, turn the lights off and everything's going to be great. Well, it's interesting. There's a mix the mix of views on on the robots. Um, So the uh, the older folks, you know, folks maybe more my generation, they're scared of them. they think they're going to take their job. They're worried about how they're going to work with them. They might, you know, run them over. Uh, hey, not sure what to do if this thing doesn't do what I want it to do. But the younger generation are much more accepting to it, and they're like, the answers we get are, if this robot's going to do some of the work that's ugly and work that I don't want to do, pick up heavy things, move them, take them a long way, they're all in. Before we move
1: outside of, of the warehouse, any other, because you mentioned this study, anything else you learned from the labor inside the warehouse, especially insofar as tech goes?
2: Yeah, I think the big conclusion that we took out of the work that we did was, you know, we're, we're trying to just figure out what's important to workers, especially, the, you know, the as the generation, as the workforce changes. And, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about just, you know, a lot of warehouses are, you know, are trying to just get more workers. So they're constantly raising Wages, improving benefits, and when we asked them about, you know, what w- would you, what would you trade off for better pay, and they said, I'd actually take less pay if you give me better tech and better working environment.
1: Wow, better work environment over pay, quality of life. That must be a big takeaway too. Just sort of quality of life and a little bit of balance. Um, Gen Z cares more than like. A twenty-five cent raise, if you could maybe give them a four-day week with maybe longer hours, right, or, or something to that effect, where they just get some of their life back. There's other ways to give labor. Yeah. How about outside the warehouse, though? We already <laughs> mentioned we mentioned truck drivers, but how how do your solutions enhance that? How do they enhance the loading and that partnership when they touch the dock?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a connection there, right? So the you know the work that goes on inside the warehouse affects the people who receive it, which is generally the drivers, right? So so making Making the warehouse workers more accurate, more productive, having stuff on time at the dock when the drivers are there has a pretty big impact on the drivers. You know, we do a lot of business where the driver really is the face of the company, um, especially what we call route stop here. That's that's the kind of truck driving work where they, you know, in, in food service or in food and be- or in beverages or even in like hardware store delivery, those drivers are the company reps. They go from one... <clears throat> One you know stop to another, and they deliver those specific orders just for that particular customer, and then they're off to the next one. So that's who they see. So stuff is wrong, um, especially if it's inaccurate, it's the drivers that get all the grief. If the stuff isn't picked on time in the right sequence, uh, where the drivers come to, to load the truck, um, they've got to wait, and you're talking about delays and, and extra costs. So there's a there's a pretty big impact on you know the warehouse workers. And what they mean to what the end face, of the uh, you know the customer faces, which is generally the driver.
1: And what are some of those things like? With this, for, like in cross-docking, a, a big issue a lot of times can be identifying pallets or getting the wrong pallet stacks. Can you can you help there? Like, what exactly is is, is helping?
2: Yeah, the, the tech that we have helps uh, in a couple areas. One is accuracy is a pretty pretty big thing. So I mean, you got thousands of workers working in warehouses. They they, they have to pick you know thousands of orders every day they're going to, you know, you're going to make mistakes, right? Things look alike and they're doing it fast. So the tech that we have is run by a system called Jennifer. Jennifer is like Alexa. Alexa, Jennifer tells you what to do, where to go, tells you if you're doing it wrong. So what it does is it really assists the workers in making sure they're, they're really trying to do their jobs at kind of a furious rate. And it, and it gives them a way to do it with less stress and making sure that that things are accurate. So accuracy is a big deal. You pick the wrong stuff it ends up going out to the customer the drivers are the ones that get grief and then you got this whole problem of well i got to return it or i've got to fix that and so there's this whole back end cost so accuracy i think is probably the number one impact point that 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 lucas has you know with workers i think the second one is really just about throughput and the time it takes to do things you know we have a system that helps workers with how much travel they do in the warehouse you know a typical worker can walk you know, eight to 10 miles a day to do their job inside a warehouse. And with Lucas software, we can optimize how they maneuver in the warehouse to still get the same amount of work done and cut that travel down in half. So that not only impacts the worker, but that impacts how quickly they can get things done and how quickly they can get things done and set up and stage impacts the drivers. Ken, I'm,
1: I'm, a little, I'm a little thick up here. So you say all this stuff and it resonates with me. But you know what really helps me learn is, to, is like a specific example. Do you have a use case or somehow you, you've helped a customer?
2: Yeah, let me, um, let me think of a customer here for you. Um, one of our customers, uh, you, may, you may see their trucks around, called Orgel. And probably people see them and say, well, what do those guys do? Well, these guys are one of the biggest hardware suppliers in the country. And they have beautiful trucks, beautiful white trucks. And they say go oh, on them. But these guys supply—they've uh, been a Lucas customer for many, many years. They supply, you know, the, some twelve thousand hardware stores, you know, across the country. And and if you don't know a lot about that business, I mean, your hardware store guy comes, you know, probably once a week, and he brings the things in it to a hard small hardware store, and they don't have a lot of space to put stuff to keep a lot of inventory, so they kind of order what gets sold, and then they they restock that. So if that's not right, if, if you miss something, uh, you know what it means for like, you know a small hardware store. Is they may lose sales because the warehouse worker didn't get something right, and then the driver delivered it, and now the, the mom and pop hardware store suffers from that simple thing of making an error. Hey, I ordered twelve hammers, you brought me eight. Hmm.
1: That can cause a lot of challenges because in your brain, you start getting returns, you start getting rejects, people start looking at your accuracy. They start questioning you as a partner. Like, are you even listening to the orders? Right, right. And then the thing, too, that what happens is when you get these orders that are different sizes too, it starts it starts getting your billing audited too, because they wonder, wait, how many hammers did you sell me?
2: <laughs> yeah, it causes great pains. Returns is a big, big problem. So you, you can't you can't fix it on the return side. You gotta fix it on the on the on the delivery side. You gotta pick accurate orders and you know the amount of volume that's you know the distributors are are seeing and a lot of it's going up e-comm is driving a lot of volume it's it, it's making it's making the job of being accurate even harder and harder for the workers so the real challenge is you know you can be very slow and pick everything and make it accurate the real challenge is how do you run a high speed operation and be correct all the time get those numbers up to like 99.9% that is what the expectation these days are: consumers and and businesses. Hmm. Uh, you
1: mentioned returns there, and it got me curious. Uh, does this play a role in reverse logistics too? Because, as you know, returns of the freight nobody wants. But the the like I just did, like at Manifest, I did a, a session, a panel on the escalation of returns, and it's just massive to see the growth yeah. that has yeah. happened year over year. We're talking billions, man.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's returns. Returns for kind of two reasons, right? Yeah. There's there's sort of promoted returns, and there's returns for mistakes. You know, we help a lot with the returns from mistake standpoint. Nobody wants a return because you made a mistake. It's not just a cost. It's it's you know, you, like you said, you lose credibility. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a there's a customer impact in terms of hey, is this supplier really know what they're doing? And then there's the kind that that are almost promoted. I mean, if you look these days. You know, at Amazon, try and buy. They're encouraging you to buy multiple things, particularly in things like apparel, and then figure out what you don't want and return it. So that's a whole different problem. That's where you create basically a returns process, and you've got to figure out on the back end how you're going to do that efficiently. Lucas helps a lot on the front end where there's a return because you've made a mistake, you got to eliminate mistakes.
1: Now, you mentioned something called a feature called Jennifer earlier, and now that also got me curious. I mentally noted that. Is that like Jarvis? Is that like an AI that helps you? What is Jennifer? And how did, also, how did Jennifer yeah. get its name?
2: Yeah. Jennifer, uh, probably the best uh, way to explain Jennifer that people understand is Jennifer is like Alexa and Siri. But Lucas invented this 25 years ago, back when there wasn't uh, Alexa and Siri and, and voice type of technologies, especially ones that would work in the industrial environment. I mean, a warehouse is a noisy place. You can't just um, you know, it takes very specialized speech recognition technology to work in a warehouse. But what we realized a long time ago was that speech recognition voice interface is a really good interface for people who have to work with both hands and in busy environments where you want your eyes on the work, the forklifts driving all over the place and you don't get run over. And you need to see what you're doing. You can't be looking down at paper, then looking at what you're doing, then looking up to see if you're going to get run over. So that's the first thing is we realized that voice was a really good interface and could really help workers in those environments. And so we, Lucas started, you know, building this voice technology well before it became very consumerized these days with with Apple and Amazon. Um, in terms of Jennifer, this Jennifer, you know, Jennifer came from. Well, first of all, we recognize a couple of things. One is. It's interesting that people people like female voices better than male voices when it comes to, to speech recognition. That's just, for whatever reason, that's a preference. And you've kind of seen that play out even with Alexa and Siri, right? Interesting.
0: Uh, the that name Jennifer, interesting. I
2: think it was just one where you know we kicked it around internally and folks said, we like that name. It's easy to say. People seem to like the name. And that's how it came about.
1: Interesting. Like, from, there's people that there use Siri for everything, but, like, I don't because I talk too fast, and it doesn't understand me. So a big part of, like, voice recognition is removing that frustration, too, from the user. What is the hardest part of, like, getting voice recognition down?
2: Yeah, you know, it used to be the day where you had to train speech engines, which means, you know, when this technology first started, what you had to do was go in a quiet place and say, like, 60 different words that we gave you to say. You know, this is this is 20 years ago. Right, and 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 I, I had to learn your voice, and the system had to learn your voice, and and then it, it recorded that, and it, it started getting smarter by using you know, machine learning and other other algorithms. The speech recognition technology has has become way advanced from then. Now you don't need to train the systems; you don't need to train Jennifer. It automatically recognizes a whole slew of voices, dialects, and and quickly adjusts with just a. A few cycles to specific, uh, you know, your specific, the way you specifically speak. And then even they now they have ways where if, if there's one word that the system doesn't recognize, you can quickly sort of say, here's what I mean. So I would say the, the speech recognition technology has come a long, long way in the last 20 years.
1: You know, my last question here, because I know you did that, that big study, and, and I'm also curious, was about stress, because you mentioned the younger generation. Did your study happen to look at if stress levels impact younger generations greater and cause more attrition and more turnover?
2: Yeah, we did ask a lot about stress, both physical and emotional. And, you know, everybody everybody yeah. acknowledges that the warehouse work is a, is, is a physically stressful job. Right. And that's one of the reasons you got to worry about the older workforce, because at some point they just can't do the work anymore. And they're just like, I I can't. I can't do this. You know, this is eight, 10 hours a day and it's moving, it's moving boxes, it's packing, it's loading. Oh my! God. Um, so the I younger I up at the end of the day.
1: Is, I, I'll, I'll tell you a true story. I used to work for this company called Talbots. And one thing that they made you do, especially when you're first starting out, is you'd have to spend one day a week working all day in the warehouse. And this is like garments on hanger getting pulled out of trailers. Yeah. I threw up at the end of my shift. It's brutal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is tough work. Uh, not that many people can do it. So to your point, you got to make it so that, know this can be a career for folks not just how long can you do it till you burn out Um, and that's what we're really focused on but that 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 physical stress that's across the board what we did learn though is that the you know the the gen z workforce they do care a lot more about work-life balance they do care a lot more about emotional stress and they're going to they're going to you know factor that in when there's a lot of different jobs i can go across the street and work in distribution center or work in this one they're going to look at what kind of tech do you have how stressful is the environment what are you going to give me to help me do my job? And how, how emotionally drained am I going to be by the end of the day? So it does matter.
1: Wow. Well, Ken, how do people learn more? How do they connect with Lucas?
2: Yeah, Lucas, uh, you got the Best. we got a great website. It's got lots of case studies, and you can see Jennifer in action. Uh, it's lucasware.com.
1: Very cool. Well, Ken, you have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on the show today.
2: All right, and go Bucks.
1: <laughs> Go, Box, take care.
2: Yeah, over in Pittsburgh.
1: Hey everybody, sorry about that. NASA Mission Control couldn't get them. They're stuck on the launch pad. We're going to have to uh, reschedule that one. But coming up Monday, Bill Howell, co founder and CEO of Fetchco. We got Carl Benzel, the commissioner at the Federal Maritime Commission. Eric Hooverman, founder and CEO over at Hawk Media. In studio, we got Paul Howard, senior product manager at Freightways, telling you all about a new sonar feature. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D O O N E R. Or you can follow the show at FW. What the truck? Also find us on TikTok. We'd be blowing up over there. You want little short clips and all that? Mentioned the newsletter earlier. Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Maybe skip this particular episode. (laughs) Take care. (laughs) And don't be a stranger.